0: But with a couple of weeks before we get to this financial series, I've decided to spend these two weeks looking at a couple of the Proverbs. And so uh, if you're a person who likes to turn in your Bible, you know, we always show the the verse on the screen, or at least usually we do uh, when technology is functioning correctly. But but if you like to turn in your Bible, we're going to look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 here in a few minutes. You could go ahead and turn there and hold your place, and uh, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. For a uh, more extended period of time than I can ever remember in my now nearly 20 years as a pastor, which is really hard to believe, uh, I have found myself continually concerned about Christians who I know have truly received Christ as Savior, people who I am very confident they really do know Jesus, they really are saved, but when you look at their lives, the lack of peace, The chaos, the relational wreckage, the aimlessness, the lack of joy, the habitual sinning, the seeming lack of desire for the things of God, the frantic quality of their lives as they overextend themselves in search of more and more of what this world has to offer, it is a very sad thing to witness. And the truth is that sometimes, more times than I would like to admit, I have to count myself among those who know Christ, but if someone were to peek behind the curtain of my own life, it would not look the way that we would like for it to look. We Christians often lack peace as if we did not know the giver of peace. We Christians often lack direction for our lives and wander around somewhat aimlessly even though we know the one who is able and willing to shed light on our paths. We Christians often live as though we believe material possessions hold the key to our happiness even though the word of God and observation of life tells us that this is an illusion. We convince ourselves that something other than God holds the key to our happiness. Maybe we convince ourselves that a career holds the key to our happiness. Sometimes we convince ourselves that if we could just be wealthy, or at least really well off, at least really well off, then we'd be happy. Maybe you've invested your happiness entirely in your spouse. Or in your children. Maybe you've convinced yourself that your happiness is dependent on a romantic relationship that you desire and that has eluded you. Some of us believe that happiness is tied to unending leisure, recreation, and entertainment. Some convince ourselves that our intellectual life is the key to happiness. We really have a lot of our heart tied up in being recognized as intelligent, gifted, accomplished. For some, friendship, uh, friendships are the key to everything. Give, give this person enough friends and consistent enough interaction with friends and they're good and life is great. But go through a season where the friendships are fewer or the time together is hard to come by. And they quickly lose their joy and their happiness. For some, their physical appearance is all important. If they feel good about their physical appearance, then life is good. If they don't, then life is horrible and peace is elusive. All of these are things that we convince ourselves that we need in order to be happy. But it's even worse than that. What we find is that often... Even when many or most of those things that I've just listed are the way that we want them. Even then, we're still unhappy. We're still frustrated. We're still worried. We're still miserable. There are two incontrovertible facts of life that speak to this malaise that overtakes us. And the first one is... An insight from St. Augustine, who shared this profound truth. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And sadly, this isn't true just for unbelievers. This is often the case for many believers. We have received Christ as Savior But somehow our heart still has not come to fully rest in Him. We've convinced ourselves, even as Christians, that something other than Christ holds the key to our joy, our happiness, and our contentment. If we could just get out of debt, then we'd be content. If the romantic relationship I want would just work out, then my heart would be happy and all would be well with me. If I could just feel like I was progressing in my career, if I just had clear direction on what career path I should pursue, then life would be good for me and I would be at peace. We convince ourselves of these things, but Augustine has provided us with an incontrovertible fact of life. Our hearts are always going to be restless, Even when they get the things we want, if we try to rest them on in anything else but the Lord. We were made for him. That's why we were created. And so until he becomes the true resting place of our hearts, peace and joy and happiness, contentment are absolutely going to elude us. Another incontrovertible fact of life is found in Jeremiah 10.23, which says this, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. We convince ourselves that exercising strict control over our lives is the key to our happiness. If we can exercise enough control, and if we can get exactly what we want, and if we can get it when we want it, then we're going to have joy, we're going to have peace, we're going to have contentment. But the prophet Jeremiah tells us the truth about all of that. The only way to find true peace in life is when we recognize that our lives are not our own And when we accept that we are not intended, we were not created, we were not made to direct our own steps. We were made to have our steps directed by the Lord. We live lives that look a whole lot like the world around us. Because we have convinced ourselves that something other than God holds the key to our happiness when the truth is that we'll never be happy until we find our rest in the Lord. We just won't. We've convinced ourselves that control of our lives will provide what we desire when the truth is that we weren't made for control. We were made for God to control and direct the steps of our lives. I want to be really clear about something today. That I have felt this way over this extended period of time. I I want to be clear, I don't feel this way in like an annoyed way. It's not like I'm annoyed that, that I see this in so many Christians. It's not like I have some sort of, you know, like anger over just the unfaithfulness of everybody and and the idolatry of all of us that claim to be Christians. That's that's not it. It's not anger that so many of us aren't doing and experiencing the life that that we should have. What it actually is is profound sadness. That our hearts are so restless when they don't have to be. It's profound sadness that we often live so aimlessly. Even though we... Belong to the creator of the universe who has a wise and good plan for our lives. It's not anger when I think of this, it is compassion. Because we all want a heart that's at peace. We want that. We want direction for our lives. And those things are available to us. we've allowed ourselves to believe lies that have destroyed our peace and our direction. And so it's not anger, it's not disgust, it's not annoyance, it is is sadness and compassion that I feel for us. The proverb we find in 3, 5, and 6 addresses these things. And here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all Your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Some translations say, Submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. This proverb gives us the key to having a heart at peace. It gives us the key to having a life that has direction, to having a life that's headed somewhere. And the key is whole heart trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The reason that Christians so often don't have the peace that we tell everybody else about And the reason we often don't have any clear direction for our lives but wander around aimlessly like the rest of humanity is because we haven't yet given our whole heart to trusting God. We continue to trust other things besides God. All of those things that that I've already mentioned, work, money, friends, leisure, romantic relationships, children, spouse, adventure. Whatever it is for us, we have entrusted at least part of our heart to those things. Peace and direction elude us because we've allowed our heart to remain divided. We've given our hearts to this and that. Instead of fully investing our hearts in God. Instead of trusting the Lord with our whole heart. What many of us do is we, we invest our trust... Uh, At least, you know, this is what we're trying to do. It doesn't doesn't really work. But but we've invested our trust in God and money. God and friends. God and a career. God and a romantic relationship. Now, I want to be clear. None of those things are bad. Those are good things. They are good things. It's just that they cannot deliver what we want them to deliver. They can't provide for us what we want them to provide for us because only God can do that. Each of those things are tremendous blessings in our lives when we, when we have them, but we put more on those things than what they were ever meant to carry for us. They're blessings as we experience them from a heart fully committed to God. But they become just more opportunities for disappointment and frustration when we put pressure on them that they simply can't live up to. When we put on them things that they simply cannot provide for us. This proverb teaches us that the key to having a heart at peace and having direction in life is to fully commit to God without reservation. Not holding anything back. Not giving an, a, a little slice of our heart to something else. Not, not putting trust of a little piece of our heart in something else. But fully committing our hearts to the care of God. Another way of saying this is that having a heart at peace and direction for life is dependent on coming to the place where you have settled confidence in God. You decide once and for all that God is is the answer God is the key to everything in your life you settle in your mind once and for all that God is the key to your happiness God is the key to your peace God is the key to your joy God is the key to your future and how you spend your life and God is the key to the goals that you establish you decide once and for all and you fully commit your heart to the care of God. Our misery is, I I would say always, but I'll, I'll qualify it by saying almost always, a result of waffling on the issue of whether God is enough for us. Our misery is almost always a result of waffling... On whether or not God is enough. St. Augustine's great insight. Jeremiah 10.23. Proverbs. They all make the point that our hearts must fully trust in God if we're going to live contented, happy, peaceful lives that have purpose and direction. And there are two reasons Why this is the only option for happiness and direction. Your outline only lists one, but it should have listed two. The first reason why our hearts must fully trust in God is because everything and everyone else can be taken away from us or can fail us. You know how fickle relationships can be. If your peace rests on a relationship... It it, it can be shattered in a moment. If your peace even rests on your spouse, your spouse can fail you. Your spouse can leave you. The Bible warns over and over again of the unreliability of riches. Here today, gone tomorrow. So if you invest your heart's trust in that, it's not a good thing. All it takes is your company downsizing. And if your identity was all tied up in that position and that salary and the, the recognition of what, how good you are at that, at that job, then your foundation is shaken, your peace is destroyed, and fear overwhelms your life. If my heart's true home is a grandparent or a parent, Someday those people are going to be taken from us. And then what? If your heart has rested there, then what? Our hearts must be fully invested and rested in God because everything and everyone else can either let us down or be taken from us. Only God is always with us and only God can be with us in every moment and every season of life. Now don't misunderstand me. The Bible is clear that friendships are important. Relationships are important. We, we serve an important role in each other's lives. That's like we're a gift to each other. Even if we don't always think of it that way. We are a gift to each other. But we all have limits in what we can provide for each other. And, and we, we all, in the deepest place of our being, can't reach that place for each other. That's the place that only God is. Only God occupies that space with us. He's always with us. He's the only one that can be in every moment and every season of life with us. He must be the resting place of our heart But here's the second reason our hearts must fully trust in God. The the reason that should have been on your outline but wasn't. Because as good as all these other things are in their appropriate place, none of them are intended to be the caretakers of our hearts. None of them are up to the job of being the true resting place of our hearts. None of them can deliver for us what only God is able to. To deliver, You could have every one of those things be exactly the way you want them. And your heart's still not going to be at peace. Because it's only going to be at peace when it's resting place is God. Even if your spouse never lets you down. Even if somehow you and your spouse exit this world at the exact same moment never having failed each other. As wonderful as you all may have been for each other, a spouse still is unable to do for you what only God can do for you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Even if you accumulate great wealth, and it never leaves you in this life, and you always have great wealth, And you're able to leave a massive inheritance to your heirs. Wealth still isn't a proper resting place for your heart because wealth can't care for your heart. And while it'll feel good to leave the massive inheritance, you know you're not taking it with you. It's not a good place for your heart. The many examples of wealthy people who are desperately unhappy demonstrates this truth over and over and over again. If you put your trust in a romantic relationship to make your heart happy, a romantic relationship is not actually up to that. It was not designed to do for you what only God can do for you. Again, all of these things are incredible blessings in their proper place. They are incredible blessings in our lives that we appreciate... In the context of finding our peace and joy and contentment, happiness in God. When we get that right. When we we get God as the resting place of our heart. The true resting place that we have fully invested our heart in. Then we're able to appreciate all of these other things without putting pressure on them that they're simply not up. bearing up under. They're just not able to bear up under. And so our whole heart must trust in God because everything and everyone else can let us down or be taken from us. And because everything and everyone else was never intended to bring us happiness and provide direction anyway, those things, direction, peace, joy, contentment, those are the domain of God. They are provided to us by God himself. And here's how you can know if you've made something or someone other than God the functional trust of your heart. This comes courtesy of Tim Keller. He writes, there are excessive emotions surrounding things you make the functional trust of your heart. Whether it's your career, wealth, spouse, children, or some romantic relationship. You will be inordinately shaken, anxious, angry, or despondent if anything threatens them. They cloud your judgment, distort your vision of yourself and of the world. And then he goes on and he identifies these things for what they can be in our lives. And he says, Idolatries of the heart lead to foolishness in life. You know that you have made something other than God the functional trust of your heart when these excessive over the top emotions are attached to those things if anything seems to even remotely threaten them you become shaken anxious angry despondent and Keller rightly calls those things idols idols it is idolatry that destroys our peace it is idolatry that wrecks the direction of our lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us that we can avoid the awful fate that results from idolatry. It tells us how to avoid the fate of a heart that's never at peace, never content, and never joyful. It tells us how to avoid the fate of a directionless, aimless, malaise-filled life. This proverb tells us how we can have a heart that is rested in God and have a life that is directed by God that will result in peace and joy and contentment no matter the circumstances of our lives. There's four things that it tells us. The first one is, settle your commitment to God once and for all. Don't hold anything back Put your entire heart in the hands of God. Fully entrust your heart. Fully rest your heart in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Commit to God without reservation. Settle in your mind once and for all that God is the key to life and meaning and contentment, not anything else. Settle your confidence on the Lord. Make up your mind that your confidence is in God. Come blessings or hell and high water. Make up your mind. Another way of saying this is go all in with Jesus. Go all in with Jesus. Don't hedge your bets. Go all in. A divided heart is the most certain path to a miserable life. And so go all in on Jesus. Put your whole heart trust in him, settle it once and for all, and don't look back. Basically, you say to yourself, it's Jesus or bust for me. That's what it is. It is the indispensable commitment that leads to life and joy and peace and purpose. Put it all on Jesus. Just let it ride. Don't come back around and reconsider it. Just put it all on Jesus. That's that's what I've decided. Here's the second thing. Practice healthy distrust of yourself. Practice healthy distrust of yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That means distrust yourself. Truly embrace the truth that your life is not your own. Embrace the truth that you were not meant to direct your own steps. That's God's job. Don't be so quick to assume that you know what's best for you. Distrust yourself more. I know that. In the the world we live in, that probably sounds like horrible advice. But But it's godly wisdom is what it is. Distrust yourself more. That relationship you think you must have to be happy. God knows better than you do whether that relationship will be a blessing to you or a big old disaster. God knows. So seek God. Listen to God. <clears throat> respond to what you think God tells you. If God tells you, you think God tells you that that relationship's going to be good for you, then go for it. If you're in a relationship and God tells you to stick with it, stick with it. If he tells you to leave it, leave it. Unless you're married, then he tells you to stick with it. <laughs> I think you know the new job offer you got is one that you must take because the money's just too good to pass up. Don't be so quick to trust yourself. Seek God and truly listen. Uh, For those of you who have been around here a long time, I, I know I share this next story a lot, so thank you for your patience. But there are a few folks who haven't heard my stories. So I felt I was supposed to be a pastor from the time I was like 18 or 19 years old. And I was pretty strongly feeling I was supposed to be a pastor by the time I was 22. Now that's young, but I had friends of that age that, you know, like, We're already pastoring. I didn't actually become a pastor until I was 33 years old. Uh, That's a long time to wait for something you're pretty convinced you're supposed to do. And during that waiting period, I had two opportunities that came to me that to my natural mind looked as though they might be too good to pass up. And I feared that if I passed them up, other opportunities might not come my way. But for various reasons I convinced myself in both cases that I was supposed to pass them up. It was two and a half years from the time I passed up the second one of those opportunities until I finally received an opportunity that I felt like God gave me the green light to accept. That's a pretty long time. You know, 33 years old, you're like, like I'm like I can see 40 and i don't know what the heck i'm doing yet. Not a not a good feeling. Not a good feeling. And that opportunity that did come did not come to me until i made a decision that i felt god was directing, but in my natural mind it seemed like a decision that might be the end of the road to my dream of becoming a vocational pastor. Lean not on your own understanding. What I thought looked like the end of the road was actually the thing that God used to finally get me where I felt like he had called me to go. It's the thing that Ultimately, open up the door for me to come here with some of you and plant this church. And some of you say, "Praise God." and some of you say, "Oh, well, I don't know. It's early. It's early. <laughs> now, this lean not on your own understanding doesn't mean disengage your brain. It doesn't mean stop thinking and planning. It doesn't mean stop making your pros and cons list with each decision you face. It just means that you remember that there is something more going on than the pros and cons list. And so you stay open and you stay attentive to how God is directing you. You you seek him. You do your best to get the direction from him knowing you might make a mistake You might not hear correctly, he'll be gracious to you if you hear incorrectly, but you know that you're far better off seeking him and doing what you at least think he's saying than simply trusting yourself to make decisions without ever consulting him. So lean not on your own understanding. And then the third thing the proverb tells us is to submit all our ways to the Lord or acknowledge him. In all of our ways, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge or submit to him. Submit all your ways. Submit every opportunity, every decision, every relationship, every investment, every business endeavor. Submit everything in your life to the Lord. Here's an exercise that would be really good for us to do. It was uh, recommended by Tim Keller. List out as many areas of our lives as come to mind. Consider doing this this week. List out as many areas of your life as come to your mind. Your career, your, your financial situation, your relationships, your ministry involvement, if you're married, your, your marriage, if you're dating, your dating relationship, your entertainment, list out you know, your health, care of your body and your health, just anything that comes to mind, any area of life, just list them all out. And, and in each area of life, then write out a list of what trusting God, obeying God and submitting to God in that area of life would look like. Here's every area of my life, and here's what being submitted to God would look like in this area of my life. And then ask God to help you implement that list. Begin to live according to that list. Finally, if we've settled our commitment to God once and for all, settled to fully place our heart's trust in Him, if we've learned to distrust ourselves in favor of trusting God, and if we've learned and practiced submitting all our ways to the Lord, then we receive a promise. We receive a promise that He will then make our paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Now what I would like to tell you this means is that everything will always go well for us Everything will always turn out as we want. I would like to tell you that it means that God, if we just trust him, don't lean on our own understanding, submit to him, that God will clear every obstacle out of our path. He will give us smooth sailing throughout life. That's what I'd like to tell you. But it does not mean that. But what it means is really good. It's really good. What it means is that if we'll trust God with our whole heart, if we'll make him the resting place of our hearts, if we'll make him the foundation of our lives, if we'll make him the center of our lives, any other way you think to make that same point, if we won't lean on our own understanding and if we'll submit to him, then through everything that happens in life, good and bad, through the things that bring us joy and the things that bring us tears, whether we're on the mountaintop or we're in a deep valley, through all of that, God will be with us and God will be accomplishing his purpose in us. He'll be accomplishing his work of sanctification in us. He will be at work and bring about our highest good even when what's happening at the moment does not feel like that's the case. Here's what it means for God to make our paths straight. It means that we've so fully entrusted ourselves to, to God's care that even when our plans fail, even the plans that we thought were from God, even when life doesn't go like we want and the difficult season lasts longer than we expected or lasts our entire lifetimes, and when the difficulties are more intense than we could have imagined, Even when our hopes and dreams appear shattered and all of our plans have fallen apart, it means that even in those times we're so fully entrusted to God that we know that through all of the heartache and all of the disappointment, God is working a deeper plan in our lives than what we understand and that God absolutely will accomplish His purpose in us. What it means is that nothing in life will thwart God's ultimate plan for good for us. We come to truly believe Romans eight twenty eight, which articulates this truth. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Good and bad, it doesn't matter. God is at work in every part of your life. The good and the bad. God is at work to bring about what is ultimately for your deepest good. Your highest good, as I meant to say. I love to reflect on the life of Joseph. How many of you remember Joseph from the Bible? Yep. Sold into slavery by his brothers. That's awful. That is absolutely awful. Lied about by an ungodly woman and thrown into prison. That is awful. Forgotten about in prison. He's in prison unjustly. People come along that could help him get out of prison. He helps them with stuff and then they forget about him. So he languished in prison unjustly for years, for years. But through it all, he continued to trust himself to God. He continued to believe that God had not forgotten about him even when others had. And he continued to hold on to the knowledge that God had a plan and purpose for his life. And he fully entrusted himself to God through all of those years when it appeared he had been forgotten. And then if you're familiar with the story, you know that he rises to be second in command of all of Egypt, and there's a famine in the land, and his brothers end up having to come to him for food. And when they find out that it's Joseph, the one they sold into slavery, who gets to decide whether they live or die, you can imagine they are rightfully frightened. And what does Joseph say to them? Paraphrasing, Joseph says, don't blame yourselves. It wasn't you who sent me here. It was God. What? No, they sent you there, Joseph. They sold you into slavery. They did it. And Joseph was able to look at that horrible injustice in his life. And he had so fully entrusted himself to God that he was able to say to them, look, this really isn't on you. God did this. God sent me here. God sent me here for a purpose. Part of that purpose was to preserve the life of the people who hated me. You can only do that when you have fully entrusted your heart to God. You can only do that when God is truly the resting place of your heart. Whatever you're going through right now, if life is good for you or if life is really difficult and it has been for a long time, as long as you trust God with all of your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. Submit everything to him. He will make your path straight. He will work around and through everything in your life to achieve your highest good. He will complete his work of sanctification in you. We can live in this confidence When we invest our whole heart in God. When we really come to believe that Jesus actually is the best thing that ever happened to us. When we really come to believe that God is better than anything else in life. When God truly becomes enough for us. And so, this is my prayer for all of us here today that for our own good, We'd quit being drawn away to all the idols that we serve, thinking that they hold the key to our heart being at peace. Thinking that they hold the key to our meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life. They don't. Only Jesus can satisfy our souls. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. Man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the book of Ecclesiastes, but it's one of my very favorite books in the Bible. It's a depressing book. (laughs) And to... to, uh, Until you get to the end. It's a realistic book. The writer of Ecclesiastes spends most of the book lamenting how he has had the best that life can offer. Riches, fame, more relationships than he should have had. All of these different things. He's had everything that the world tells you brings peace and happiness. And his conclusion, he actually reaches two conclusions, but the first conclusion that leads to the second conclusion, the first one is, it is all meaningless. Chasing after the wind. So he's distraught. He cries out, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. He has the best of everything. And he says it's all meaningless. But then toward the end of the book, the writer comes to the revelation that we all need to come to in life. And he determines that everything isn't actually meaningless. And here's what he says. He says he's observed all of life everything the world has to offer. And he says, this is the conclusion that I have come to. This is what life is all about. This is how not to get to the end of your life and feel like everything was meaningless. And here's the truth he came to. Fear God and keep his commandments. It's just another way of saying, trust your heart fully to God. See God as the source of everything you need in life. See God as the source of your peace and joy and contentment and purpose. Take it from the writer of Ecclesiastes. The conclusion of all of life is if you want contentment and joy, you've got to fear God, keep his commandments. Trust him with all your heart. Make him the resting place of your heart. Let's stand.